This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. Emotional, financial health uh, and wellness is, is really important. And that plays also into um, really what I seek to do in my professional life is providing balance um, in, uh, in the markets. So for example, um, my view of blockchain and cryptocurrency is that it's special just like any other asset class and that as a, a special like, like any other asset class, it can provide really valuable balance to someone's or to an in- institution's um portfolio wellness so to speak that balancing for example uh low correlated assets with each other helps to uh helps to kind of uh promote financial wellness amidst all the market craziness of what's going on that you know there's always a downtime for something like uh real estate or for crypto or for stocks but the goal is to have them balance out so that you're not getting hit with downtime uh on multiple different fronts all at once. And it's kind of similar philosophy, um, you know, in, in the kind of personal health and wellness space that uh, if you have, you know, your multiple kind of main priorities going and you get hit on one of them, that you're not kind of, you don't have your legs swept out from under you in your, your you know, physical health, mental health, same thing with financial wellness. Give us a pulse check on the crypto market just from your personal viewpoint. And obviously we saw this huge spike in popularity 2018, 2019, and into the pandemic with the the explosion of crypto. In terms of risk, reward, upside, downside, you mentioned leveraging it as a piece of one's portfolio without, you know, sort of telling people this is what they should do. Just what's your personal take on where the crypto market stands today? There are a lot of things to say, maybe more than we have uh, scope for even, but there, there are a few that I think are, are most relevant. So for one thing, I've been involved in blockchain and crypto for six plus years now. And okay. so this is now my, uh, my second and a half, I guess, uh, kind of difficult cycle in, in what's been going on where, you know, I saw the, the kind of the ICO boom and bust happen 2017, 2018. Uh, and there was very similar rhetoric going on, you know, after, during that as as was going on in 2021, early 2022. And then, you know, same things going on or similar in terms of the, the hype uh, and then similar things going on in terms of kind of some of the FUD, the fear, uncertainty and doubt that's happening now versus almost exactly four years ago today. And so in that regard, I think uh, focusing in general on markets over the medium to long term is something that uh, you know really most sophisticated investors will will suggest it's something that's you know very much easier said than done but really um, i think it's important to distinguish between uh, between investing prudently and gambling and you know certainly there's been a lot of gambling in the crypto space um, there's been a lot of gambling with ai with uh with you know stocks with a lot of different things but there can and there can be and there is and there will be sophisticated uh, risk mitigated investment that happens in any market real estate stocks crypto uh, gold bonds etc so relatedly 
to that point, um, some other main things that I think are important to consider is that volatility is not something that's uh, kind of new to, uh, to the markets. It's not specific to crypto. Uh, and I think that it, it, it often depends on what kind of time horizon you're looking at something at. But for example, just some fun facts, if you will, between about 1980 and about 2020, 10 year treasury yields fell by 97%. So that's these kind of so-called safe haven assets of, of bonds that are actually you know, way, way down and that have been experiencing some very significant volatility during the course of that long downward trajectory. In contrast, something like crypto, which yes, you know, has, has had these 60, 70, 80% drawdowns at various points is something that over a, a 10, 15 year period um, or well, I guess 13 ish year period uh, for the for the asset class uh, has been um, overall net ahead. Uh, so you know similar thought processes um, are around investing into multiple different assets that have low correlation with each other. Where something like Bitcoin actually was hit way less uh, drastically during the market crash during COVID uh, was hit way less than the stock market. So these are these are the types of things that we like to think about in terms of what's going on in blockchain, crypto and related areas. Thinking about some of those other areas uh, for that, you know, you you could invest in as a, an individual or an institutional investor, you know, media, software, even real estate. What's your what's your thoughts on where crypto stands relative to those longer standing, more proven asset classes, say over the next decade, and kind of where do you see the market moving in terms of dollars and attention as we kind of evolve into this more technological world? Yes, yeah, so it's an, I guess a number of a number of questions that I think are are worth considering there that you raised. So in terms of the the evolution uh, of the the space and. By that, I mean, this kind of more broadly speaking, you have blockchain, digital assets, Web3, kind of this, this broader category. Um, in terms of what a lot of experts are looking at for, for that overall asset class in the next five to 10 years, really we're looking at uh, a multi-trillion dollar opportunity where uh, right now the, the uh, digital asset market cap uh, is at about a trillion, you know, right. plus or minus, but um, number of experts, including uh, city uh, investment analysts and, uh, and analysts at the World Economic Forum are predicting a roughly 10 to $15 trillion opportunity for the overall asset class uh, within the next five to 10 years. So that's, um, that's a 10x plus uh, potential increase. Uh, in terms of the position of digital assets as related to uh, you know, these other assets we're talking about, real estate, stocks, et cetera, it's a, an intricate relationship, and there are a couple of things to mention. Uh, first off, I would say that cryptocurrency is a bit of a misnomer. So really what we're talking about, we, we prefer to use the term digital assets, where um, there, some of these assets are intended to be used as currencies. Others are intended to be stores of value, yet others have use cases around next generation file storage or, or data sharing. Uh, or even some of them around improving the real estate markets or the stock market. Um, so there's there's a uh, a bit of an interrelationship um, that that we see between uh, crypto and these other asset classes. But that said, um, at the end of it, 
it is it shows low correlation with a number of these different asset classes where there's some transformative potential it has for other markets but it's it's uh behaving with a mind of its own so to speak hmm. and a related point there is that to the to the theme of balance we were raising earlier on ultimately uh, what a kind of a, your Warren Buffett's or your various other investors will say is that they're looking to create a balanced portfolio of uh, diversified uh, a d- diversification of different assets uh, as well as different asset classes so you know conventional wisdom has been let's say to have a you know majority in stocks and then kind of from there maybe bonds maybe real estate then maybe you have precious metals alternative assets etc so within that thought process we actually conducted some research of our own um, through a partner organization called chain blx and they were finding that a vast majority of family offices high net worth individuals etc they said that they preferred to allocate roughly four to five percent of their net worth into crypto so that's to that point is something that uh, you know you will hear people in blockchain crypto say oh you know it's going to replace all currencies and you know and we're all going to kind of uh, <laughs> have this utopian uh, shangri-la and it's all going to be based on blockchain uh, really what we're looking at is where does this fit into uh, the, the bigger picture of what's going on in the world i'm curious from a personal perspective and you don't have to give specific numbers or anything but for you how are you slicing up your pie with the different vehicles and sectors that you're putting your money into to grow over the next several decades here we consider it important to as part of the strategies we um we deliver to uh, to the vehicles that we work with uh we, we consider it important to conduct diversification uh rigorous diversification so generally speaking um that will include a variety of assets based on market cap so you have crypto as the overall market about a trillion uh, dollars in, in value of that you have bitcoin tends to hover around the 50 to 60 percent of it mark and then you have this very long tail from there where really the top 10 digital assets are you know depending on the uh depending on the month or the season there may be about 70 to 85 percent of the total market cap and then from there it's it's a kind of a um, lower and lower a longer tail so we consider it important to um to diversify across high cap, medium cap, low cap, much like you would with uh, with the stock market, for example. We also consider it important to um, for, for the vehicles that we help operate. We consider it important to diversify across those use cases I was mentioning, such as, you know, uh, potential smart contract platform use cases or uh, AI relevant blockchain use cases. There's various others out there. Also um, considered important to uh, to diversify uh, across the the systems and the the services that are being uh, used in conjunction with the assets managed, where um, you know something like a uh, something like an FTX, uh, there there were institutions that say parked all their money with FTX because uh, you know they were the the golden children and they were on you know Time Magazine and, and all the stuff or, or Forbes, um, but really uh, diversifying the risk. Um, in, especially in an emerging asset class, can come down to having uh, a plan A and a plan B and a plan C and then some. For you, I know you've been helping companies and managing teams for 15 years, worked with companies like Citi and, and Saks Fifth, some amazing big brands. I'm curious on 
maybe the biggest lesson or even patterns that you've noticed in working with these different companies that tend to repeat themselves over market cycles that is maybe front of mind for you that you want to share with people or that people should be aware of? I mean, I would say that, you know, to your point, uh, my background spans everything from early stage startups to more mature, small to medium enterprises, all the way to um, digital transformation initiatives within, um, you know, billion plus dollar organizations. And um, I would say that uh, there are there are some similarities and some differences, you know, ac across that board. What mm -hmm. I've what I've tended to really uh, find most compelling is innovation across th those different life cycles. But innovation, to your question, means something different in a five-person startup than it does in a three hundred thousand plus person organization like City that operates like a nation state. I mean, it's a larger population working for for a city than for you know some countries in the world. Yeah. Um, so, in that regard, um, I think that um, I think it's important for uh, for an individual or for an organization to really identify the the soul of the company, and that's that's something that that hits on a couple of different notes. Um, I, I would say that you know, for for an earlier stage organization, there can be um, a bit more kind of tip of the spear, um, you know, innovation of doing something for the absolute first time in the market. Whereas someone like uh, a major uh, innovation hub in a billion plus dollar organization is really largely more going to wait to kind of uh, copy what's been working and not do what hasn't been working uh, from those those other startups. So within that, I think it's, it's important for you know for individuals and for organizations to know you know where is their where are their goals where how are they best able to help their customers and what what level of uh, innovation do they want or need versus what level of risk? Um, you know, for example, I would say that in the in the blockchain space, uh, it's been um, you know there there was a lot of innovation going on in some smaller organizations, uh, even you know six plus years ago. Whereas in in kind of the larger banks, um, there was it was a lot slower progress. Where, for example, I was working on some blockchain initiatives at City. Um, five or so years ago, that even that only now are starting to kind of see the light of day, you know, in that organization and organizations uh, of its ilk. So, thinking through uh, what is the right the right time cycle for for personal goals, for organizational goals, uh, how does that fit into um, you know fit into the the value that's being uh, provided to the customers or to the person is important across the the blockchain and and crypto sphere or i suppose this digitization transformation on the planet as a whole is there anything that worries you or that is concerning when you look at the pace of change that's happening right now yes i would say um i would say i am uh, you know cautious um i think that in general especially within emerging asset classes uh there is strong need for caution um, one thing I would say is that in terms of kind of the, the forces in the world right now, um, you know, two of the biggest innovations happening out there are blockchain and AI. And, uh, and I think that in, in certain ways, they kind of help to balance each other out where uh, blockchain is, uh, well, AI, for one thing, is, is very uh, top down, where it's about kind of big data, big data sets. It's large. It's in many ways, the kind of larger organizations that are going to prevail the most in AI, 
certainly there are you know exceptions and could kind of argue the smaller points uh, around that. Uh, whereas something like blockchain, more in terms of the, the soul of what's going on there, is about connecting uh, connecting people, connecting individuals, and is really more of a, a bottom up uh, sort of a movement, uh, decentralization, uh, all that, all those sorts of buzzwords, right? But to that point, you have then AI, which is more a bit top down, and blockchain, which is a bit more bottom up. And so, in terms of um, kind of fears of destabilization, I think that there there are you know multiple different streams of innovation that, to an extent, help to balance each other out. In terms of other questions around being concerned uh, around markets and innovation, I think it, it just generally is really important to consider that all emerging markets pose risk, and all emerging markets have posed risk. Mm. Um, I've found it really fascinating uh, looking into the history of markets and the history of uh, emerging markets, history of scams. Uh, it, for example, the, the railways um, back, you know, a couple hundred years ago, that was the the Wild West. That was, uh, well, literally the Wild West. They were building, you know, railroads out in the West of the, of the U.S. Right. And um, a number of, of people that we think of as really, you know, smart and powerful fell for scams around railways. Charles Darwin invested into some uh, some scams. Uh, Isaac Newton who was, by the way, I think he was about, worth about 50 plus million dollars. He, uh, he lost millions of dollars in, in an investment scam around that time period. Uh, there was also other stuff like this collateralization of assets in the new world that were being uh, packaged as these kind of hard to understand um, financial products that, um, that went through just massive hype cycles uh, and then were worth absolutely nothing at the end of it and then uh, never even emerged as an asset class. So just bearing in mind that uh, with every innovation, there's explosive growth potential, but then it also opens up for risk. And even uh, even the smart, the famous, the the, the wealthy can um, can end up betting on the wrong horses. Yes, that's such a great point. I think there, as as technology happens, right, and you see these increasingly more abstract levels of asset classes being created that go quote unquote meta on just some some other invisible layer there can be a tendency for us to want to jump in and jump at something before the market before the majority actually gets there for that arbitrage play but i've heard so many so many successful investors say they don't invest in anything that they they don't understand or that they don't have advisors who understand who can help them absolutely absolutely and that's that's really been a, a large focus of uh, of what i've done in my involvement with blockchain and crypto uh, where i've uh, i've been helping with uh, development of reliable content, uh, reliable uh, events uh, online as well as in-person resources to help actually educate people on what's going on in the space. Um, because there's this this combination of uh, of kind of some of the the powers that be for right. for various reasons not allowing certain content. Let's say you know Wikipedia in general has has tended to suppress blockchain and crypto content. But then mm -hmm. what that ultimately ends up in perversely is that. It makes it easier for scam content to really dominate when you don't have reliable sources of info. So, in in that regard, to your point, either you know, for people to either know uh, what they're what they're investing in, or to work with professionals who know what they're doing, or ideally, really both, know <laughs> know everything you need to know and work with people who know even more um, is is really important in an emerging space, and uh, and that starts with education.
That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things and hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you and that's it. I will see you in the next episode.